Hold on to your butt. I'm quite surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jerry Park. today uh my legs were shot and by the way uh dave mallory is that your name dave dave yeah dave yeah. mallory uh he's the guest this evening on the joey clark radio hour when i was over at express fitness 24 7 where i'm working out these yeah. days dave um my legs were shot so i was trying to deadlift 225 couldn't do it after doing 50 back squats uh, with 185, so he's like, yeah, grab an 80-pound dumbbell and do your deadlifts that way. So I did it, and then as I was putting up the 80-pound dumbbell, I perfectly bruised the knuckle on my, like, you know, bird finger. Yeah? Oh, and it's just painful. I didn't break anything, but these are some of the pitfalls of working out, but I'm loving it. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, good. So you know how I avoid those injuries, Joey. You don't work out? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm I'm enjoying it. It's it's more of a cross training thing, not for some athletic competition. Yeah. But it's a nice. Well, I enjoy the endorphin rush after I kill myself in there. Right. It's a nice start to the day. I'm working out with the owner over there, Alex, at the Zelda Road location. Folks, uh, I suggest it. If you're looking for a good gym with flexible hours, it's in the name, 24-7. You become a member, low fee, month-to-month. Uh, -month, you don't have to sign a long-term contract. I think it's 30 bucks a month after you do the fee to begin, and uh, you get 24-7 access with a fob, a key fob. So. I like that uh, no, uh, you, you know, just pay by month, no contract thing. Me too. I got locked into one of those in college at a certain gym I'm not going to name. Right. And it was a scam, man. And also it was some personal trainer out there who was looking like, okay, now that you're with the gym, pay me $100 yeah. a week. I'm like, no, no thanks. No. If I had the money, maybe. But uh, Express Fitness 24-7, you don't have any of those long-term contracts. Flexible in terms of hours, flexible in terms of what you want to do. Cardio machines, weight machines, free weights, power racks, brother, brother. You can do all sorts of things over there. Um, so check them out. Express Fitness 24, the number 24.com. Or uh, go to the Zelda Road location. That's where I'm working out. Maybe you could work out alongside Alex and I. And I'm I'm feeling it today, but in a good way. So, where, where to begin? Where is that on Zelda? Uh, the Hillwood Festival Shopping Center. Ah, okay. Right. Well, yeah. it's a split facility, so part of it's above Firehouse Subs, okay. up a little elevator. Yep. Then right across the parking lot's a larger facility with all the freeways. Yeah, okay. Um, and I'm enjoying it. I love the location. It's now right across from the apartment I'm living in. Oh, that helps. Yeah, it's uh, it's very convenient. Not, not as many excuses, right? Like, you know, yeah. You know, <laughs> if you only got to go, like, you know, across the road, it's like, oh, I got to go to the gym. This is terrible. It's a 45-minute ride. Well, number one, I want to start off with a, a little bit of a rant on politics. It's a theme I've had recently. 
but I'm tired of all the theater. Well, you know what's funny, Joey? Mm-hmm. The thing that most people probably wouldn't notice about, wouldn't think about me or know about me. I don't really like politics. Though you answered my question on what topic, I put it out on the Book of Faces, on what topic do you consider yourself an expert? Yeah. You said the Rolling Stones. Yes. Hunter S. Thompson. Yep. And electioneering. Electioneering. And I knew these things about you. Right. But even though you're an expert at electioneering, you kind of hate politics. Yeah, because of kind of the stuff that you're talking about, like... um I don't know, I guess maybe I was, you know, raised to think, you know, high-mindedly or something like that. And, uh, it's, you know what I mean? Like, there's not enough, um, I don't know, there's not, like, not enough challenge to it. It's all, like you said, it's all theater. Yes, theater. And it's, uh, and and low-brow theater. That's the thing. It's low-brow theater. It wouldn't bother me so much if it wasn't just all cheap thrills. Right. Um, and that, you know, I mean, that's, I I was kind of banging this monkey on on our show this week, um, about that because, like... We'll keep banging that monkey. Well... uh, the thing that, you know, what, what I said, what shocked me the most about the Mueller thing wasn't, like, what was said or how he said it or how he looked or how he talked. It was that, like, there's, like, five congressmen that can string two sentences together. Right. Like, most of them, you know, are, like, you know, reading from a cue card and even messing that up. They're like, you know, Bart Simpson when in the episode where uh, Mr. Burns is looking for the air and, you know, <laughs> me sick, me money, now give. <laughs> Ooh, him card read good. Yeah, and you we're know, just like, impressed by anybody that can hold their own. Like, you know, Donald Trump's not the eloquent orator that you would think of, but he is very, it's like a WWE show, his rallies. I mean, he gets the crowd going sometimes. Sometimes the crowd. Sometimes the crowd starts chanting things that you don't want them to chant. It happens at wrestling shows. <laughs> As well. it. It's like it's supposed to be the PG era. Stop yelling holy S. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a great moment. We're gonna yell it, can't control the crowd. But I'm I'm tired of the theater and I'm really pissed off. I've been pissed off all week on this latest budget thing. Now I know I can be realistic. Of course they're gonna raise the debt ceiling. Of course they're gonna add to the debt and the deficit. Of course, of course, of course. But I'm at the point where I don't want to blame, as bear in mind, the globalist corporatist whores. I don't want to blame the politicians or all the special interests. I would like all of you in power or somebody in power two years from now. I don't care what party, but right now I'm looking at you, Chuck Schumer. I'm looking at you, Mitch McConnell, the jive turkey of the Senate. Cocaine Mitch. Cocaine Mitch, man. (laughs) How rude, sir. (laughs) One of them turtle looking. He was looking more and more like a grandmother. It is hilarious. Powerful man, though. Uh, Yeah. Unreal power. But Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer. All of your the whips in the house, uh, whether it's Kevin McCarthy or Steve Scalise or Nancy Pelosi or Steny Hoyer or I think Hakeem Jeffries is pretty Mm -hmm. powerful up there. Mm -hmm. You, Donald Trump, or anybody that becomes president, all of you that actually have power to wield over your caucuses, Mm -hmm. get together and say, screw the American people. Do something that's unpopular to fix the debt and the deficit. They're not going to do that. They're not going to, but you know what, folks? The problem at the end of the day on certain issues, like, say, mandatory spending, that is the actual reason for our ballooning debts and deficits, mm-hmm. is that the American people don't want them to touch it. Correct. So yeah, that's the thing is, is that they're not going to be uh, they're not going to be rewarded for that. Right. It's it's interesting to me because one of the things that, of course, has been thrown out of the window with the uh, you know with uh, really with the tax cuts and you know and Trump. Uh, you know the the what is it the subsidies for um, for farmers and right. stuff like that because is, the, is, the is concern over the debt oh is just out the window completely. I thought well as soon as Donald Trump said I'm really concerned about the debt and the deficit 
but I'm not going to touch entitlements. I will not touch Medicare, Social Security. Well, then you're not telling the truth, Donald. It's just not realistic. You can cut all of the military, all of other discretionary spending in all the federal agencies, and you're not even going to really touch it Mm -hmm. unless you take on so-called entitlements. So I would like, I don't care what party, I don't care who it is, fix it. My question is, does it really matter? No. At the end of the day, no. I mean, that's the funny thing to me is that, like, you know, when you're talking about um, just about all of this stuff, the the funny thing to me about the debt ceiling, you said right. So the funny thing that about that to me is is that like I I know that the sky is falling, and if the if we reach the debt limit and we can't you know print print any more money, then the entire global economy you know comes to a halt. At least that's what they've told us. <laughs> you know, but any anyone want to do the southern thing and say hold my beer and just see what happens? Yeah, well, we could. Kind of, that's that's kind of, the course we're on. I mean, right that's now. kind of what you know. That's a little bit what you know what Trump has done um, in terms of you know. As I told a friend of mine, I said the interesting thing about the Trump years is is that it's either going and this is like very early. I said a couple things. Number one, that I actually thought that more people on the right would be angry with him by now uh, because I I thought that he would uh, and he kind of has governed like a New Deal Democrat. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if he can if he can get a, a big uh, infrastructure thing going, then he definitely will be. Yes, that's um, what he wants. Right, and I mean, yeah, I'm surprised they didn't do that first. Um, maybe they thought that he'd get impeached and they couldn't get to the tax cut or whatever. Mm, that game's over. But the thing about uh, the the you know the, the thing about stuff like that is is like does it does it really matter? You know, and and that uh, with, with Trump, what I what I really thought was is that what we're going to figure out is is if the system is strong enough to withstand, you know, uh, uh, purposeful neglect. Sure. You know, <laughs> or if you know, or if really, you know, you have to have somebody that because I just don't. It, it's not that I think that I, I don't think you know a lot of people on the left they think that Trump is dumb and like that's the reason that he hasn't filled some of these. Uh, cabinet positions and stuff like that i don't think it's that no. i think i think that they know that most of this stuff can run like without somebody oh. there running it oh absolutely well it, it, it is I, why, why do we need to create another you know two hundred thousand dollar a year federal job we don't right oh, and, and on many of these things it's petty outrage it's ridiculous there's no well, reason to be always. outraged i just get frustrated with the idea of younger generations will have to deal with this and it'll be yeah. much harder to deal with than say dealing with it in the next five-year window didn't know what to say about climate change oh well yeah that too that too well we're all dead in what 12 years sure according yeah. to aoc and the squad the squad oh the squad it, it's just lovely but it is funny how like government operates on a different moral and legal plane of course to where you can't take out say massive credit card debts and then have your kids pay for it. <laughs> well, I mean, you can. <laughs> you can try. Right. Um, but the government, is that's essentially what they're doing, the federal government. And we're just, I don't know, I, I look at the generation ahead. Usually the ones running things now are in their 60s and older. Mm-hmm. They've held on. There's been less generational turnover than past generations. Oh, so you're saying that the bar- this is another thing that the baby boomers are terrible about? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that- I don't usually get into this generational sniping, but on this one issue, I will. Yeah. Because they talk this big game about entitled millennials with your avocado toast. Right. And your concerns about social justice. And don't get me wrong, I love mocking the social justice warriors as much as anybody else. But come on, guys. Screw the American people and your rewards when it comes to elections and do something to fix it. But it won't happen. It just won't happen. No, I mean, to the point where, you know, people 
on the left and the right are mad about this uh, about this budget deal because you know one thing that I see from the left is is like let's say that let's say that they beat Trump uh, when you know it, it expires the the deal expires what like you know six months into a Democratic uh, yeah twenty twenty one into the next presidents you yeah. know yeah just clear uh, it off the board after the election right and we'll deal with it then but it's why know, they I guess it's a compromise but I promise you that if the Democrats uh, happen to win, then it's going to be all about, you know, how these deficits are, uh, are uh, you know, that's when you'll see the defi- deficit hawks come back. Oh, of course. Of course, Mitch McConnell and the Republicans will immediately say... Pivot to, Oh, you know, the debt and deficit's the worst thing We can't thing afford any of this. And with the exception of maybe, like, Ted Cruz and Rand Paul and Mike Lee, Rand Paul really is the only one, because I think Cruz is all about spending a bunch of money on the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's from Texas. He can't not. Right, but they're all hypocrites on this issue. Oh, they totally are. That's the thing about... That's the other thing, is, is that they also... There's so many people that say, well, you know, I'm not for pork barrel spending, but... Uh, don't cut the military. Right. You know, and there are military bases and projects that are vital to national security, and then there are some that, you know, necessarily probably aren't. They're vital to votes. Yeah, and they're, <laughs> yeah, and they're vital to, you know, the economic growth of, you know, or the uh, economic sustainability of certain areas. Now, I want to shift to another money issue, but it's at a local level in Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah? At much smaller figures. We're not talking trillions of dollars, like $22 trillion in debt and increasing. We're talking about a bill of $22,000. Oh. Uh, this is the Pennsylvania School Board, and the president of the Pennsylvania School Board, his district had warned parents who were behind on paying for lunch, school lunches, their children could end up in foster care. If they don't pay. Well, a CEO named Todd Carmichael stepped in and offered to pay $22,000 to wipe out all these bills and remove the threat. The school board in Pennsylvania has rejected it. What was their, what was their reasoning? Um, the position of Mr. Carmichael is irrespective of affluence, irrespective of need. He just wants to wipe away this debt. Uh, who is this? So? Yeah, like what's what's wrong with that? I mean, wouldn't you know if if you had something big hanging over your head and somebody came in and paid it for you, wouldn't you know? Wouldn't that be great, irrespective of their motive? I mean, as long as he's not, you know, as long as he doesn't have a side deal with you know Jeff Epstein or something. Well, and I'm looking right, and I'm looking at the article here. There isn't really much of an explanation. I think actually what the school district is looking at is they can put liens on people's property. They can make a lot of money for their friends in the local court system by, you know, wearing this out in court. It's a cynical I, I, play. I, I guess. I mean, it sounds to me like they could also, you know, end up uh, <laughs> end up dropped in the bushes somewhere. Well, and yeah, I mean, that's just that, that's just. What a jerk. Well, and it's one thing to be like, we're going to really come after you for the money. It's another thing to say, this is a quote, your children, quote, can be sent to dependency court for neglecting your child's right to food. Yep. Good Lord. Government at work. Yeah, I mean, that's just... That's ridiculous. Unconscionable. Well, no, and I guess my point in this, whether it's a national debt or something like this small local story in Pennsylvania, is that I'm starting to change my mind, and maybe this is your influence, Dave. Uh-oh. 
Of Don't it's start not, thinking like Dave. It's not really a matter of like the correct political theory. To agree, it is, but it's really a matter of the people, the personality. I'm starting to think Shakespearean. Mm-hmm. Who, whether it's monarchy or empire or democracy or republic, whatever. Who's the person actually pulling the levers of power, and do they actually do the right thing? Right. And I tend to think things, the more we become democratic, little d democratic, not democratic party, uh, the worse these folks behave. I agree. They're not trying to do the right thing. They're always worried about, well, you're an expert in the electioneering. You know about that. Some, yeah, but I mean, on that guy, somebody should step in and be like, look, dude. <laughs> Come on. I mean, or you know what I would do if I, and uh, for, you know, okay, you brought up electioneering. You know what I would do if I was that guy? I'd be like, all right, but uh, guess what I'm going to do? I'm just going to spend all this money uh, that I was going to donate to these kids getting their lunches to beating you in the next election. Yeah. So, like, you know, whoever your opponent is, we're about to run you out of town on a grease rail. And it's going to be easy to make this argument because you just rejected this easy offer. Easy. And I mean, the other thing is, is that a lot of people get, get caught up in the whole... It's easy to get caught up in the, it's the, you know, it's the principal, um, you know, they the, the they should be paying for it. The school mm-hmm. shouldn't be responsible for, you know, for feeding your kids or whatever. But sure. But I also believe that that's a, that they're two different conversations, right? Is it like, yes. you, you can have that conversation, but we're not going to like just let the kids not eat. Well, and somebody's coming in to actually make this work. Okay. We've solved the problem. Right. It's free money. Right. Take what the money. You, what do you care where the money comes from, Larry? It, it, I think it really is a power play. Yeah, I mean, it like, sounds like it. We're going to push this. But I think if you just had the right people running that school board, well, but that's always the argument. It'll My utopia will work out as long uh, as I'm running it. Well, duh. <laughs> I mean, I'm really smart. Yeah, we're all just brilliant. I um, got a story for the winos. There's oh, yeah? a company called Aldi. Now yeah. selling floating wine glasses that stay upright well, in your pool. Joey, where have you been? We're getting an Aldi. Really? A company called Aldi. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, it's going in by the Best Buy over out on the boulevard. It's like a German, so it's supposed to be, you of all people should, uh, I've, I've heard they have really good uh, pricing on meat. Oh, okay. And uh, it's like, it's kind of like a no frills type thing where hmm. like you have to pay a quarter for your shopping cart and uh, so, stuff like that. And there's like no, uh, like the for vegetables, there's no plastic bags to like wrap your vegetables in. Because well, you should wash them off when you get home anyway. But where have I been? I've been at home. I'm a hermit. Right. You know these things. Well, I'm I know. Not, I'm not yeah, well, we've, we've talked about it. Yeah. On the a, show. A little bit here or there. Um, and I, I just hope people don't go too nuts with the wine glasses. Just put it on the side of the pool. <laughs> like you're going to waste perfectly good wine. Just put it in a solo cup anyway. Right. Relax. Right. If you're by the pool, you don't, you just, trust me, you don't want glass. No. You don't. Just, you don't. You know, that's going to be a nightmare when it breaks, falls into the pool, into the depths, you're swimming, all of a sudden you dive to the bottom, and now you're bleeding. That's right. Just too many problems, folks. Especially mixed the guests are leaving. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a mess. Absolutely mess. Spouse is mad at you. But I'm trying to think of the next mess we could touch on here. And it's I'm not trying to pick on, like, the new, weird, woke left. And this isn't anything to do with, oh, they said mean things on Twitter. Or I'm trying to pick, do we go to British Columbia, Canada? Or do we go to Harvard? Uh, because they're both crazy stories. Uh, the Harvard one's longer there, right? Yes. Yeah, so let's go to the British Columbia one. Okay, there is this person calling herself a biological man, though. Oh! Uh, a chick with a D. Yes. Um, calling herself Jessica Yaneve. And even though she's now transgender and going by Jessica, formerly Jonathan, 
she still has the biological male equipment. Oh. Right. And I don't know the, the full extent of this person's equipment, but I've heard she... But there's equipment! She still has it. So much so that this person, this transgender person, has been going to waxologists around British Columbia and demanding these waxologists who specialize in Brazilian waxes for women to wax her stones and pillar. And when the waxologists, you know, understandably say, no, thanks, this person takes them in front of the Human Rights Tribunal in Canada, has done it to 16 different waxologists. So it's not just, you know, one bigoted waxologist who immigrated from Brazil a few years ago or from Japan or China, which most of these, you know, by the way, most of these people doing these waxes are first-generation immigrants. English is a second language. Can you imagine being an immigrant to Canada? Beautiful part of the world. BC. Yeah, BC's great. My brother just honeymooned there. It's fantastic part of the yeah, it's world. It's bananas. And you're setting up a shop. I mean, I'm sure it's a delicate issue, waxing women down there. I don't know anything about it, but let's just say it's probably delicate work. And you're making a living after immigrating to British Columbia, Canada, and all of a sudden, a man, well, a biological man, walks in and says, wax my parts. And you say, excuse me, no. It's like, you're a bigot. And yeah. I'm going to have your ass. I'm going to shut your business down. And th- the people, these waxologists, have made the point, ma'am, we literally don't have the right tools, techniques, and right. wax to service your right. particular yes, parts. Yeah, that's not this type of salon. Like, I mean, amazing, folks, that waxing a man down there is different than waxing a woman. Isn't, I know. Isn't uh, one of the things that, that it that this person argues um, that, like, he calls it what the females call it. I think that's what... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He comes in and says... He comes in and says, hey, I want to wax, but he doesn't say I want, you know, these waxed. I want, he says, I want this waxed. Well, and it's not really, to me... Uh, I mean, the transgender continuation of this transgender thing is is weird and interesting, culturally speaking. But... The big issue of the story is again the government. Well, it's also it's also theater, just like what you were talking yeah. about. I mean, it's it's, it's somebody that's lo- that, that has that's looking for a grievance. Yes, and it's grievance and, and, and victim ru- politics. And, yeah, and ruining somebody's life in the process. Somebody who they would purport to be an ally of, if you ask them. Right. Well, and it starts with bake me a cake. And the guy's like, you can buy a cake, but I'm not going to do the art decoration on your cake. And it's now. Wax my stones. Right. It, good Lord. Like, no. No, I'm not going to. And I, I want to see the government in Canada just shut them down. Just go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, if those cake, well, pe- they did, if those cake people were smart, like, they would have said no, and then when they came back for the thing, you know, you had their daughter come out and be like, you know, have the, have the dad come out and be like, you know... <laughs> I talked to my daughter about it, and uh, I misunderstood this issue. And now we're going to bake the cake and make her like a hero of the, you know, of the left, and then sell like a yeah. billion dollars worth of cakes. All it's all about money. the work, you know. Like yeah. you ever see the, uh, you ever see the thirty for thirty with Brian Bosworth? No. Where you know who Brian Bosworth is? Yeah. Uh, and so like you know he was like the most hated player when he played for Oklahoma, and uh, he made the shirts that said like you know down with the Bos or whatever yes. and sold them. Brilliant. He made the controversy. 
and then you know made the company that profited off the contribution. You make your money off your own cheap heat. Brilliant. Oh, that is brilliant. I love that. Well, it's what heels and wrestling do all the time. Correct. Yeah, they just they piss people off. I mean, in old school wrestling, you're looking for people trying to knife you after the show. Right. And you have to stay in character and keep kayfabe. Right. And nowadays, it's more, you know, tongue-in-cheek. But right. it's still, with AEW coming around, it's getting better. Right. The war is back on in wrestling. Yes. Uh, like the promo Chris Jericho recently cut. Uh, he called it, they were in Jacksonville, he called it Jerksonville. And then he called it something else. I'm not sure I can say on air. Um Jayoffville, right, and just cut it uh, in extemporaneously. He's improvising. He knew what points he needed to hit, but it's like, yes, they're back. They're free. They don't have a whole team of riders telling them what they have to say. Right. Jericho has wrestled in Mexico, Mexico, Germany, all over the world, Japan, Canada, and now the U.S. The guy's a vet. He knows how to get heat and how to sell an upcoming match. Oh yeah. Let the guy do his work. All this corporate takeover, all in Christmas Day night. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas Day night. It's an old uh, Tommy Wildfire Rich thing. Well, we've already hit the 30-minute mark. Yeah, that was quick. Yeah, it's flying by. I know. It always does. But we talked about on-air, uh, and well, no, we talked about off-air. We're about to talk about it on-air, about this weird case out of Harvard. You've oh, read man. the whole yeah, yeah, I read article the, yeah. in the cut. Yep. Uh, it has to do with the guy, Professor Hay. Who taught a class on like judgment and decision making? Yes, ironically enough, I think it's a New Yorker article. Yeah, and it's like their and the, the uh, excerpt is in the cut. Yeah, it's um, it's weird. I feel bad for the guy, but I'm also like, how did you fall for this? Yeah, there's a lot to it. It's intense, folks. We'll have to cover that when we uh, come back. You know, I'm playing this, and I need to I need to get back to work on it. Needs a baseline. Needs some more synth parts. And I was, you know, messing around with my GarageBand app, and like, yeah, played the guitar live. But uh, we'll be right back, folks. Folks, listen to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. We've got Dabe. Spell it right. D A B E. D A Y B E. Y. Yeah. Spell it right, Joey. Mallory. Three L's. Three L L L. And that is official. If you're going to put anything in a legal document, make sure they're three L's. That's right. Dabe Mallory. So, this is a juicy story that I'm not sure what angle to jump in on it. A lot of angles, Joe. It involves a Harvard professor. 
distinguish our professor that clerked for Antonin Scalia despite his own political yep. points of view. Yep. It involves a French-accented lesbian. Ingenue of some sort, although... Uh, named Mia Pia Schumann. Yes, Mia Pia. Mia Pia, and she is a lesbian who occasionally sleeps with men. So maybe she's in the B of LBGTQ. Right. Um, as well as a transgender woman, so somebody who used to be a man. Right. Named Hater. Interesting last yeah. name in this day and age. And so, oh, and by the way, the let's start this way. Bruce Hay, he's this professor at Harvard. He's currently... A, a professor, yeah. not this professor. Yeah. What professor, this professor? A professor. Yeah, the guy's at You're Harvard. You're the grammar guy over here. But he's not actually at Harvard. Well, he's kind of there. He's on indefinite suspension. Well, now. But at, when the story starts, he is a tenured professor at Harvard. Right. And it takes a lot to knock somebody off tenure. Tenure is a, uh, is a thing to, uh, I guess, cherish. And um, he is now indefinitely suspended while the university investigates him under Title IX claims. Yes. Now, Title IX is a gender equality law offsided as a pretext to deprive all sorts of students and professors of their due process rights. Essentially, if you're accused of sexual assault or rape, uh, essentially what's happening is young kids might have a drunken encounter. They have sex one night. Now you get professors at tribunals asking these young 18, 19-year-olds about their sex lives. And it's supposed to be a replacement for an actual court of law. It's not a good... Well, and the, uh, good what do you call it? Like the burden of proof is lower, right? Yeah, well, they're pretty Obviously. much there is no presumption of innocence right. in the way these things have worked. Uh, essentially, if you're accused, you're guilty. And all sorts of people, after being either expelled from schools... Or having their reputation completely ruined by schools, because of course it doesn't stay within just the faculty. Usually the school press picks these things up. But all sorts of people, larger than you'd think, have been sued after the fact and won lawsuits in actual courts. Mm -hmm. That's how bad Title IX is. It's not just affecting students, it's affecting professors. In this case, it's affecting Bruce Hay. But you think, okay, what did, what did old Brucey do? You know, did he sleep with a TA? No. Did he uh, sleep with another faculty member nope. having an affair? No. Uh, Bruce one day, well, number one, he's living with his ex-wife and their children. That And two of the kids came after they were divorced and then living back with each other, so which is interesting. It's because already... They say at first, they say, you know, he lives with his ex-wife. And it's like, you, it seems like it kind of seems like, okay, they're just, you know, they live in someplace expensive and they're going to co parent. But no, they basically got divorced and then moved back in, in, in with each other and then had two more kids. Which, so that's already an odd arrangement. You know, each of their own, but what are y'all doing? But anyway. And of course, old Bruce uh, says, you know, so he's at the, uh, what, he's at the grocery store? Is it a bookstore? It's a bookstore. No, he's at the hardware store. Yeah, there. Oh, there you go. Even better, Butch. And this, yeah, <laughs> this woman, Butch up there, Brucey, Mia Pia Schumann, approaches Bruce Hay, the professor, at this hardware store in Cambridge, Massachusetts, in 2015. Four years ago, Mia Pia, Miss Schumann, claimed she was visiting from Paris and staying with her longtime soul sister, who used to be a man. Hater, a trans woman working on a doctorate at Harvard. 
Hey, as we've already covered, divorced, but living with his ex-wife, had the kids after they got divorced. So he's essentially... So they have an interesting arrangement, but he claims... Uh, later that he felt like they had a kind of don't ask, don't tell thing. Exactly. If it was just going to be a quick fling, don't ask, don't tell. If it was going to be a long-term relationship, he's got to move out. Mm -hmm. So that's already like, you can see this guy. I I think you can already read into this. This guy's not good at making like clear clear cut decisions on what to do with life, especially on serious decisions in life. So Schumann, Mia Pia Schumann, approaches this professor at a hardware store in 2015. She asks, I believe, where the batteries are. Says she's visiting from Paris. And that she's a lesbian. That she had, like, broken up with a woman in London. Had gotten divorced from a woman. And said that her and her transgender soul sister, Hader, were outspoken feminists and social justice advocates. And then she lays down this bombshell, this lesbian does at the hardware store after asking where are the batteries you know you're very attractive mr hay yeah (laughs) oh you're cute which i'm sorry but like lesbians don't really do that not only it it, it can happen i suppose right i I don't know that we need to worry about that it's just that like the thing for uh, old uh old hay here is uh if that doesn't normally happen to you it didn't happen to you right it's like if you go to a bar in a big city hotel, let's say, the lobby bar, and all of a sudden, all these very good-looking women are coming up and talking to you, you might be talking to a, a lady of the night. And normally, you're, you know, kind of not, that's not your MO. Yeah, that doesn't happen to you often. It's probably a street-walking cheetah you're talking to. Right. You know, watch yourself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. But anyway... But he... He's doesn't do that. No, he's. He, I mean, because of his situation at home, seems like the guy's a little lonely mm-hmm. and just doesn't have his head on straight completely. He grew up as a child of two divorced professors, kind of been in this ivory tower life his whole life. So this woman, this so of course he thinks this woman, French ingenue, right? Who used to be a lesbian that's coming on to him. Of course she likes him for him, right? It's and a charming personality. It's the books he's published. So let's meet for coffee. Right. They do. Then they meet for dinner. They get talking some more. That we have so much in common. And finally, what happens to me? Finally, they have sex. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he's got to think this is so hot. A, a social justice lesbian having sex with me. Wow. So hot. Months later. So hot that since he was on uh, those uh, serotonin inhibitors. Uh, <laughs> He's on antidepressants. We yeah, left that out. He didn't uh, He didn't exactly. Uh, There's, uh, let's just say the water was cut off from the hose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So months later, after their sexual encounter, but though he's, and we're mentioning the water not being in the hose because he's on antidepressants, let's just say he can't make babies or it's not really likely that you could make a baby. Very, very unlikely. Um, months later, after this sexual encounter, the French lesbian says that she's pregnant. If you didn't see this one coming, you've never read one of these stories before. Because I was like, oh, I'm surprised it took, you know, surprised it took eight pages to get here. So Mia Pia Schumann claims, calls, texts the professor, says, I'm pregnant with your child. You're the only man I've had sex with in the last year. Which, you know, that seems somewhat plausible. She's a lesbian. He readily believed her. Even though he didn't think the sex they had had progressed far enough to be biologically possible. There is, you know, actually biology in this world, even as it changes to the social constructed world that the left so often pushes. 
The professor wanted to be as involved with the baby as possible. I mean, he, actually, that's a noble thing. Yeah, huh? the poor schmuck is like, oh, it's my kid. I gotta, yeah. I gotta, I'll, I'll do anything to help support him. And by the way, he's not telling this to the ex-wife he lives at home with. He lives in like a $3 million mansion with. Right. Very, very nice place. I mean, this is a well-to-do guy, and he's not, it's just getting worse and worse. He's getting dragged deeper and deeper into this thing. Um... So he wanted to be involved with the baby as much as possible, but he wanted to leave his. Ex, but the woman who's claiming I'm pregnant says you got to leave your ex-wife. You can't li- live. Can't in that, have this living situation. That multi-million-dollar mansion, and he refuses because he's got kids living under the same roof. And so the lesbian who's now pregnant with his baby gets really pissed off, and then you know they avoids him for a while. Yeah. But then they they make nice and. This is when the professor, Bruce Hay, meets, checking time here, because this is quite an involved story. Just stick with us, folks. This is when he meets the pregnant lesbian soul sister, the transgender person named Hayter. And the trio formed sort of this, like, Bermuda Triangle of a love affair. And essentially, this is what the actual, this is an actual quote from The Cut article. Their bond appeared instantaneously. We had similar political views, uh, Bruce Hay said. Hayter told me a lot about the trans world. I had known nothing about it. Soon they were getting together almost daily, talking for hours, sometimes meeting at a coffee shop near Harvard called Darwin's. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. Rich with the irony here, huh? <laughs> but it is good. Hayter regularly texted and emailed the professor articles and statistics about trans women being brutalized and murdered by men. A month after their first coffee, the transgender woman Hayter texted the professor to say, I'm so happy we met. You're wonderful and stimulating company. Understand why Maria Pia, the pregnant lesbian, is crazy about you. Behind his back, though... The two women, the transgender woman hater and Mia Pia, the pregnant lesbian, just to repeat and make sure we're all on the same page here, folks. These two women mocked him behind his back. In a text message to Hater, they provided, Schumann refers to him as an effing desperado. By then, Hay was rarely seeing his uh, lesbian paramour who presumably is pregnant with his child. Still, they began discussing the possibility of the professor moving in with them. They would be a family, she said. Hey, Schumann and Hayter. This professor, a lesbian, and a transgender woman, their children all together. Oh, there are other children, by the way, in the transgender lesbian household already. Right. This also, though, would include the new baby. In the weeks leading up to the January due date... The professor used his publishing connections to help the transgender woman pursue her writing career. Mm-hmm. They began collaborating on projects. The transgender woman hater asked him to share a byline, but he usually served as more of an editor, an agent, reaching out to magazine editors to help place their work, including an op-ed for the Huffington Post on anti-discrimination, bathroom bills, and another for The Guardian on the need to block Judge Neil Gorsuch's nomination to the Supreme Court. When the lesbian was too pregnant to travel, Hay accompanied Hayter, the transgender woman, to Phoenix to consult with a doctor about scheduling gender affirmation surgery in the spring. Affirmation, not reassignment now. Huh? Affirmation? What yeah. the hell is that? It's the same. I mean, it's, it's a oh, sex it's change. Like, oh, it, it's, it's not... affirming that you have... Oh. 
let's affirm this right. by just doing surgery. You know, I, I, anybody can do that. But if I had a friend, and I mean this seriously, it's not a joke. Somebody says, I'm transgender, be like, cool, talk to me about it. Uh, I'm thinking about affirmation surgery or reassignment surgery. I'd say, fine, if you want to do that, your life, but are you sure this is going to make you feel like you want to feel? Right. Because it's the same thing I would tell anybody with plastic surgery. You sure you want to do that? Yeah. That you want to put implants in your calves. You want new tatas. You want a better butt. You know, you could work out. No, Joey, that's hard. Yeah, you know, you don't want to earn anything. Anyway, finally, the professor's ex-wife, Jennifer Zachs, becomes suspicious about this professor spending all this time yelling and crying on the phone with these two women confronts the professor and the professor confesses everything and i have to say this woman is the true like victim in this in the sense that she seems clever wise like yeah, her head's on straight for any of this no and she's like what the hell are you doing and he's as, as this writer puts it the wife is much less oblivious than the professor yes immediately suspects that he's being duped and straight up is like that ain't your kid right right what followed was a series of crazy outrages, folks. The lesbian and the transgender woman tried to bully the professor into distangling himself from his live-in ex-wife by either selling their house or buying her out from the house. They wanted him to spend money on their house and repeatedly pushed him to take out a home equity loan. At the same time, they habitually accused the professor of abusing, even torturing them, and constantly threatened to tell the police he had raped them. At all times, talk about a nightmare. You're one day you're at the hardware store, you know, picking up an extra drill bit. Somebody asks you where the batteries are, compliments you on your good looks, and now you're in the middle of being essentially extorted by a transgender woman and a lesbian who presumably is carrying your child. Well, yeah, and at some point they steal his house. Yeah, they 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 have him sign these uh, these forms because one of them's a lawyer or something. They have him sign all these forms. And then uh, the next thing you know, they they, they basically forge a, a, a lease agreement. Well, and here's where his weakness was. When his wife, the professor's wife, would say, you're being duped. That's not your kid. They don't actually love you. What the hell are you doing? He would, and oh, and later, the lesbian says... You never says, cared about my happiness, Karen. No, but here's the kicker. The lesbian says at one point, she has cancer. That's right, yeah. And she's being treated for cancer. When the professor tells his live-in ex-wife, it's so freaking convoluted, it's hard to tell the story. Right. That this now lesbian carrying his child has cancer, she says, yeah, that's not true. Right. And, his, and like, what's her, what, are her, what are her treatments? And they're like, yeah, they'd be, she's like, yeah, they'd be doing something completely different if she had this type of cancer. But this is where this guy got uh, had. He replied thunderously to his live-in ex-wife, how dare you question these people who are suffering? That's right. That's how he was being played. But here's how they got all this information. The lesbian and the transgender woman convinced the professor to give them his computer password. They then orchestrated a series of events that made it seem like he had decided to lease the home he shared with his ex-wife to the lesbian and the transgender woman. The women waited until the professor and his wife were gone. Ex-wife is, you know, whatever. When he returned, he discovered that his beautiful Italianate home on a quiet corner Italianate. of Mount, Mount Vernon Street had been emptied of his family's furniture, cookware, toys, documents, books, 
his uh, ex-wife's yeah, mother's the, and grandmother's heirlooms and everything was replaced his, with these women's furniture. His mom's uh, uh, engagement ring that he gave the first that he gave the wife, and then like she doesn't wear anymore because they're not actually married. Right. I mean, it's all like yeah, unreal. And then in the end, they actually do report him for they report him for rape, right? Yes. Well, here's here's where it goes nuts with Title IX. They finally get wise to this and, like, say, okay, the, obviously our house has been stolen. These are con men or con women or whatever. Con people. Con people. <laughs> They're in the confidence game, Joey. These F and F tarts. All right? Like, how did I fall for this? So they recover the house, the professor and his live-in ex-wife. Professor and Marianne. <laughs> <laughs> he sued these women. But the Title IX investigation continues against him because she put out there the transgender woman actually at Harvard. I've been having this relationship with a faculty member, and it's taken me for a long time because it's been abusive and tough for me to come forward, blah, blah, blah. All the correct words and language. So because of this, and this is how bad Title IX is... They are saying in the Title IX investigation, because this professor reached out to journalists to get this story out in public, that's viewed as an act of retaliation. Title IX has this retaliation component, folks, that's like Catch-22. Attempting to prove one's innocence or object to the way universities are interpreting Title IX can be seen as a form of retaliatory behavior that is forbidden under Title IX. And this goes back to the human rights thing in British Columbia. Like, at a certain point, we have to uh, step back and go, this is nuts. This is absolutely nuts. But here's the crazy thing. The guy's trying to figure out, this professor, why did they do it? There are all sorts of opportunities. Yeah, like, we're on the same side. Like, we're on the same side, but was it just money? Right. Was it just the house? No, nope. because there's all sorts of opportunities to get money out of him well, and like it, beforehand. And she, the 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 French chick, had some sort of like you know she obviously had some sort of support. Right. They they had money that they like that, you know somehow they had access to some kind of money. Not maybe not a ton, but this wasn't about money. And so here's this is from the actual mm-hmm. the original piece from the original journalists covering the story. Hay, the professor, remains mystified about what the women really wanted from him. Money appears to be a factor, but not necessarily the only one. After all, theirs is a long, expensive, and punitive game with no guarantee of a big payoff. He says Schumann, the lesbian, with his child, not really though, once told him that they targeted him for signing an open letter in late 2014 calling for more due process in Harvard's Title IX proceedings. Good Lord, this all comes back to Title IX. Mm. Which also, to the credit of the Harvard faculty, they've actually been one of the few university faculty in the nation fighting against Title IX as ridiculous. So good on the Harvard faculty for that. But Hay says, I don't know if that's the real reason or something she made up later. In May of 2018, and this is the crazy, it's like some, you can't make this crap up. No, you up. can't. This is like. The professor received a barrage of text messages from an unknown, unmarked number. This is what the text said. Quote, find a way to connect if you want a chance to take the last exit before hell. Hell in all caps. Take my word. You ain't seen nothing yet. I promise. Oh, And as your quest for motives, as for your quest for motives, 
don't bother. I just really hate the patriarchy. Patriarchy. That's it. What? It's like this is like Kafka reborn. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's like something out of a movie. I'd rather wake up and be a like a beetle right. in the morning and my family not recognize me than go through this crap. Yeah. You know, initially I was like, what a dope. Who falls for this? Now I just Oh my god. Well, you know, Joey, we have a we have a saying. It's undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> Poor schmuck. I know. Poor guy. Yeah, ruined his, you know, basically like, you know, uprooted, basically ruined his life. Ruined his own, I mean, it was already kind of on the rocks, but it seemed to be manageable. Yeah, I mean. And to go from that to this, well, what a weird world. And it's stories like this that make me very thankful. I'd like a, you know, wife and kids at some point. I'd like a family. I want more of a meaningful, fulfilling life. I don't want to just be a, you know, bachelor hermit my whole life. Fair enough, but... It reminds me of why I am a hermit when I see crap like this. Because you can sometimes go down a rabbit hole and you end up in hell. Yeah. Or the last exit before. <laughs> Jeez. Well, that's the show. Yeah, it was quick. Yeah, we stuck the landing on that I know. story. I know. Good job. It was fun. Well, thank you for being here. do it again soon. Yeah. We'll have to cover, like, one of your other expertise, like Hunter S. Thompson with Stones again. Sure. You know me, I'm down for whatever. Hell yeah. Well, y'all have a good night. I'll be back tomorrow. Joey Clark.